the ability to be alone without feeling lonely is something you get during rest hour or you get when you're the only kid in your cabin who didn't quite fall asleep and you're reading with your flashlight under the covers while the counselor has told you to go to sleep two hours ago. <laughs> Good morning, campers! Have no fear, happy campers is here. It's a summer camp-themed podcast where we reminisce about the stuff that we missed, about the best summers we ever had. And there will be reflection and lots of introspection and a great selection of guests that will stop by. So grab a glass of bug juice, relax, and say hi to both your hosts. We're Julie and Sammy, your podcast family. We're going to start the show. All right. We are recording. Hello, happy campers. Hi, happy campers. Hope everyone is having a lovely camp-filled day. Um, we are here with a brand new episode with um, author, journalist, professor, uh, professor, and camp counselor, Iris Krasno. And she has a new book coming out called Camp Girls that we read slash skimmed and it's like truly if i were to write a book about camp i would want it to be this book it's like so wonderful um so hello iris hi camp girls <laughs> we are camp girls we are, we um are. we're camp girls and we're happy campers i guess we'll start with your camp experience where did you go what was it like how long did you oh, go for um, i started going to camp when i was four I went to a, J a Jewish community camp um, in Chicago. <clears throat> Overnight? And, uh, uh, no. Day oh, okay. Camp. Okay. And I went to, uh, so I've been camping. I'm 65. I've been camping for 61 years. Uh, sort of. Well, I'll get to that. So then I went to another day camp called Traveler Day Camp. And then when I was eight, <clears throat> I went to Camp Agawak for girls in Minocqua, Wisconsin. And you can, you'll relate to this because obviously you started Happy Campers because you were longtime continuing campers. So I went from eight to 18. I was a counselor for two years. Um, I won the horse show. I'm showing it to you. I, still I read in your book we that you read about it. Desk. I made my yellow cap. I'm holding up a yellow cap that I still have. I made it in 1970. It's the advanced cap. Uh, and so then at 18, I left camp. <clears throat> And I came back 40 years later, and I'll tell you how that happened. I got my literary start writing for the camp magazine, and it was called Agalog. <clears throat> and at our camp's 84th reunion, I went up to the owner of the camp, and I said, oh, Mary, it's so nice to meet you. She said, oh, I read one of your books. I said, oh, my God, um, how's Agalog going? <clears throat> she said, what? And I said, Agalog, it's the camp newspaper. Oh, my God, you know, I got my start there. I loved it. And, and in the same breath, I said to her, and she said to me, I said, would you ever? She said, do you want to? And I came back and I resurrected Agalog in uh, seven summers ago. And I do a lot of things at camp. I'm the camp historian. Um, and I also run a program called Writing in the Woods. And we sit at the same picnic tables that I sat at in 1964 and three and in uh, the girls write in the woods. And one thing, um, so I wrote this book. I couldn't have written this book until I had life perspective. And I know you both um, read slash skimmed uh, and, and liked it because I read, I didn't skim, I dove in deep. <laughs> so you know what? It's your story. Because, and what I keep hearing, it's your story. Yeah, um, I divided the chapters into lifelong character traits 
that us camp girls end up having as adults, right? Right. Yeah. um, You know, and that's what it's about. It's about community. I speak to a camp girl friend almost every day and have since 1960, well, when cell phones (laughs) (laughs) were in texting. I mean, and just as an aside, during this corona craziness, we have been the biggest support system for each other. You know, we have a text called Agawak Women. And I mean, I tell them, please don't tell me what you're eating. You know, just because, oh, I had snails last night. Like, I don't care. But what I do care is I love you. And what I do care is if you need anything, I'm here for you. Yeah, that's, I mean, I completely agree. We, our camp is doing virtual campfires every Sunday. So we're all staying connected. And we also, I mean, I don't go a day without talking to a a camp person anymore. It's true. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Julia, where do you live? So I live in New York City in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. Um, but well, she's there's in- a lot of camp people, which has been nice. Of course. So one of our four sons uh, it lives in Brooklyn, but right now he's in a bedroom two doors down because he left Brooklyn. Um, so I, uh, my camp experience continued when the four boys were young. I worked at their camp, Racket Lake for Boys. Uh, for on and off for seven or eight years. So and where is that camp exactly? It's in the Adirondacks. It's in Racket Lake, New York. Um, right. And beautiful, beautiful camp. It was almost like, and I think you can, once a camper, always a camper. And you just, it was so much in my blood and in my history and in my spirit. And, you know, when you look at who you are, um, and I'm slightly older than the two of you. I think I'm as old as the two of you with your ages put together. <laughs> Um, when I was 59 and went back to camp and realized who I was, you know, I was adventurous. I was, I had a lot of courage. I was athletic. I was empathetic. I was a team player. I was mischievous. Mm -hmm. Um, but all those qualities, I was a a good, a devoted mom. I managed to stay married for all 32 years, which feels like 3000 years. And I, I, you know, so those qualities of loyalty, perseverance, um, team building, collaboration. It just, I realized that all of that came from camp. It was all rooted in my camping experience. But you don't realize that when you're in the day-to-day rush to horseback riding, rush to trampoline, rush to archery, you know, and cabin fights, you know, you learn so early on, you can't call mommy, oh, this girl's picking on me. You gotta gotta solve it, right? I especially, I mean, you kind of said something along those lines where you said that um, camp produces adults who can deal uh, when they grow up and they can just handle conflict and they can um, work their way. And I think you were talking about it in the context of, of kids who go to college, uh, which we've talked about a lot about, about how like a lot of kids when we went to college that hadn't gone to camp, like just had no idea what to do or how to you know, make friends in this weird scenario where you're living with all these people, whereas we kind of felt like we were like, well, eh, we've done this, we're okay. Well, and my friend, uh, my camp friend, who I went to camp with since 1964, Jill Hirschfield, she's quoted in the book as saying that when she got to Denver University, she knew how to self-regulate. You know, not only did she know how to sweep and run a laundry and, and do that, but she self-regulated. She didn't over drink you know we really learn self-reliance 
Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and I think the self-regulation piece, when we go to college, we've already done this. You know, we've already been on our own uh, deal. We can deal. I mean, I do feel like, and I got a lot of faults, and I know that. My boys remind me of that every day, especially living like in close quarters like this for like going on seven years, it feels like, but seven weeks, like really. I think that the ability to deal and to stand strong on your own and to know that you can fail and stand up again and go forward. I mean, that's that and friendship is really the heart of my book, I would say. Camp Girls is about growing up into women who feel worthy, who know they can deal. I have a, a question that kind of just popped into mind, you know, <clears throat> thinking about thinking about your boys and you as their mother and then, you know, even closer to you right now living in your house with, you know, with everything you, you speak about in the book and, and just now about self-reliance and teaching, you know, young girls how to be strong and know they're, you know, independent and all that. Are you, are you a helicopter mom or are you not a helicopter mom? So I love that question. Um, I mean, I did go to camp with my boys. I, <laughs> but, I know. But, I, but I didn't. Um, oh, gosh. You know. And it's okay uh, because we were both raised, and I were both raised by helicopter mom. <laughs> you guys have kids? No. No, we don't. Okay. So here's the deal. And I'm very, I'm very honest about this. I think I went back to camp with the boys as much about me needing to be in a camp environment as to be close to them. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the boys started camp, my twins were only six years old. The twins were six, six, eight, and 10. And the director hired me to be the freshman group leader. So the, the boys were all under my... Uh, oh, wow. And I, I do think that my 30-year-old, who uh, is, you know, very, uh, you know, he's a successful filmmaker and he's on his own and he travels the world. I think that even though he talks to me and, and all the boys are very independent and world travelers and and I still don't want to go, like I can't be on a 14-hour plane ride. They complain that I was... Uh, a hovering mom you know I wasn't the one who would let them stay out like definitely had a curfew but I also gave them a sense of confidence which they got not only from me but from camp that they could do that they could take risks um so yes by the way I was raised by a holocaust survivor and so my mother definitely was always afraid that when we walked out the door she wouldn't see us again However, she also gave us a sense of, uh, she taught us that the people you love most could be snatched from you in a finger snap. So she taught us to be independent at an early age. And I think that the, there is a fine line between helicoptering, and I cover this in the book actually, because you know kids need to go to camp. They need to disconnect from the hovering you know, moms that just, you know, are making them take SAT training when they're in eighth grade, and they need to detach from technology, which is like one of the most beautiful, beautiful parts of camp. And, you know, when we went to camp, um, uh, in fact, I'll read, I I don't want to tell you the whole story because it's a little portion I wanted to read, but, you know, you went to camp, it was an eight-week camp, you saw, you saw your parents for two days at visiting weekend. 
you didn't talk to them on the phone. Now talk about hovering helicopter, uh, you know, snowplow. <clears throat> you know, the parents can see pictures, you know this, like they, there's pictures taken every day. Um, I sometimes get texts from moms I know from camp that say, you know, I, I didn't see Susan smiling at your <laughs> Yeah. Is she okay? And, you know, can't, and they, the kids can email, but they still cannot talk to their parents on the phone unless it's a birthday. And I think that's really good. I agree. Yeah, it's kind of, it's weird because there's this disconnect of like parents can see the kids, but the kids don't see the parents, which like that's, I feel like the more important part, right? The kids learning the independence. But when I was a camp counselor, um, there were days when like the director would hand me a camera and be like, go find this kid and take smiling pictures of them at every activity because their parents have not stopped calling the office about how either there are no pictures of them or they're not smiling in the pictures. Yeah. Um, well, and it's uh, just, and it's not even that they look miserable or upset. It's just that like, they didn't know the picture was being taken or they're standing in the background concentrating on something else. And then the parents are like, oh my God, they're so unhappy. I think that any kid who wants to go to camp should be able to go to camp. And, and that's changing, you know, in terms of the American Camp Association has many scholarship funds. And okay. I think that, and, and I'm sure your camp does, like our alumni foundation sends kids to camp every summer. So what's happened in another uh, transformation that I've noticed over the years is that it's not a monochromatic camp anymore. You know, it's definitely kids from different backgrounds, different experiences, different cultures, uh, and, and it's great. Um, when I went to camp, uh, it was a predominantly Jewish camp. Um, my sister and I were from a predominantly Catholic uh, neighborhood in Chicago, and when we went to camp, we thought we were in Israel. And so <laughs> a lot of what we uh, found at camp was uh, a part of our identity uh, too, but it's so good now that there's multi-religions and just it, it's it feels like life, you know. Um, and obviously, something that the three of us are thinking about right now, and it's it's so ironic. The camp girls uh, came out; it only came out a week ago, and I humble brag, People Magazine named it one of the. Um, best new uh, releases. Uh, That's great. Right? Congratulations. So exciting. But we, we all, the three of us camp addicts, camp lovers, happy campers know that that people don't know what's going to happen this summer with camp. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's, and, and we're at the mercy of the moment. No decisions have been made at some camps. Ours is full speed ahead as of this moment. Right. Um, Okay, so when you were researching this book, um, who did you speak to, and why did you choose to speak to them, and what did you learn? Those are great questions. So I'm a journalist, um, and so I just interview people. I probably interviewed about 100 people for this book, wow. and I, I interviewed probably about 40 campers uh, and ex-campers and ex-counselors from Camp Agwalk, and then I didn't want my the experience just to be about me and Agwalk. I interviewed a person from Surprise Lake. I interviewed people um, from Wohila, uh, the now defunct Wohila. I interviewed uh, people from Racket Lake where I worked. I, I interviewed people from all sorts of camps. And what I found, as you know in the book, is that no matter where we went to camp, whether it was in the hills of the Berkshire or the lakes of Wisconsin or uh, even a ranch camp in Colorado, that the takeaways 
really unify us. The takeaways were these are the best friends we've ever made in our lives, that we are still connected to these communities, and everything is that is strong about us, the best parts of us and the, the most kind of naughty, uh, really came from camp. I mean, and also, and you know this from doing the work you do, some people hated camp. Like yeah. I sometimes would call somebody and say, oh my God, talk to me about camp. And they would just say, I hated camp. <laughs> I hated, I went for like, I went home after three weeks or, you know, it, and so we do know the world is divided into two sections, right? Sure. People yeah. like us and people who hated camp. But most, yeah. but a camp lover, I talked um, to uh, a woman in her 80s who went to camp and um, I found her. She went to camp in the 1940s and she's in the book. And she said to me, um, you know, I've been around the world. I've been to Israel. I've been to Paris. I've been to all these places. And she said, but when I want to go to sleep at night, I think about being in a rowboat in 1947 and fishing in this little cove on Blue Lake and it, I go right to sleep. She said, I am forever a camp girl. And you know, for her to look back 60 years and, and picture that pristine, powerful image of a glistening lake that is so mesmerizing. You know, I'm, when I think of Blue Lake and I know you have something like this in your life, part right. of camp, that is, it's at your heart. It's the spine, you know? Absolutely. I'd love in, in the book you spoke about, you know, being back at your camp and, and just sitting on the bench and, you know, seeing every version of yourself there, the, the new camper, the, you know, team captain, the current self. And yeah, just that, how the place stands the test of time there. And then you, you know, in a great way, get to keep evolving and changing, but also remembering that, that purest self of that, camper on her first couple of days it, it is it, and I, I that's one of my favorite parts of the book when I um walk through camp I see myself walking out of the lake in a blue jam we, it was a right. uniform camp in a navy blue jansen bathing suit with my bathing cap on and then I see myself the year we were allowed to wear two pieces when I was <laughs> 16 and then I see myself you know as a counselor in when the year we were allowed to wear blue jeans we still had to wear white shirts and now I see myself as a woman with four grown sons who gets to go to camp. I get to go to camp. And, you know, it really anchors me. There's a, there's a little excerpt that I wanted to read that talks about that. Um, and you'll just tell me when it's time. But I just, even talking to you, we don't know each other except for this, but I know you because of our shared experience. I know who you are. Um, and I know that you were lit from within by your experiences at camp. And I also know that you wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do what I do <laughs> unless we discovered our best self at camp, correct? We, we discovered our strongest, best selves in that environment. Uh, and we flourished and we became doers. I mean, we did, look, you've got this successful podcast I've been writing books for 116 years. <laughs> you know, I mean, we just push forward. We fail and we get up and we try again. Correct. Oh, I love that. You are a writer. Um, I, 
there is one passage that stuck out to me, especially in this time right now, which is that um, it says, camp did turn me into a big, strong girl and then a big, strong woman who knows how to get things done on her own. I learned to be alone without feeling lonely. And I feel like that I have been, I mean, I'm an only child, so I, I have some of that built into me already, but I think that in this time when we're all kind of somewhat by ourselves, we're not in our normal social circles, that like I think about how camp like taught me to be resourceful and like I don't consider myself to be a person that gets, I don't really get bored. I just like always think there's something to think about or do. And a lot of my friends that didn't go to camp are constantly being like, I'm so bored. I'm so bored. And I'm like, I don't know how you can be bored. And I think that that's something that I picked up at camp is that there's always something to do. There's always someone to call. There's always, you know, something to think about, even if it's just rest hour. Well, when you, I can't believe that you picked that paragraph because I love, love, you know, the ability to be alone without feeling lonely is something you get during rest hour or you get when you're the only kid in your cabin who didn't quite fall asleep and you're reading with your flashlight under the covers while the counselor has told you to go to sleep two hours ago. <laughs> and, and I really learned early on um, that sense of self-reliance, which I can tell you as a 65 year old woman now, I know I only look 64, but I'm really 65. Um, I can still do the splits too. <laughs> but um, I, what I, you know, I've lost both parents. Um, I've lost friends. Um, I, there's been, a, you know, as you progress in life, there's a lot of loss. And if you don't become a big, strong girl and a big, strong woman who knows how to stand on your own, you, you cannot sustain and survive the passages of your life. And I think, you know, I've written seven books. This is my seventh. Uh, this is definitely my passion project. Uh, the words literally flo flo flooded and flowed and, you know, and I have journals of camp and I have every Agalog article, the camp newspaper was called Agalog, I have every article I ever wrote. When my parents came up for visiting weekend, my dad took hours and hours of film footage. So the detail in the book is all things that I've, it was almost as if I knew at age eight and 10 that I needed to tell this story of an of a American tradition that is more than 100 years old that has shaped and formed from Girl Scouts to Boy Scouts to Campfire Girls to, you know, all of us. Um, it's just really been a joy. It's been such a joy uh, and, and hard. Uh, I'm an author coming into, you know, I'm, my book was released at the height of Corona. So all my in-person talks right. um, were, have turned into Zooms. I would That's how we found out about you, a friend. Um, I think, did you give a Zoom the talk 90, at the 90 Century Y? Yes. Yeah. yeah, a friend just forwarded um, the like listing for it and was like, oh, cool. this lady sounds right up your alley. <laughs> I, you, a when, camp friend. Well, <laughs> a camp listener. Too, yeah, when I got the um, happy camper email, I said, oh, my God. <laughs> This is so fun because I know that you're kindred spirits. Um, you know, I, I know who you are. And, and the fact that you take that spirit forward for a new generation. I mean, one thing that's astounding to me, and it shouldn't be, but it is, our oldest cabin, the CITs, there's 26, 15 and 16-year-olds who still want to come back to camp. In, in the year 2020, 
these kids who are dating and, you know, the makeup and the clothes and all this, they still just want to go to camp and they want to chill. They want to hang out. And most of all, they want to be together. You know, so that, remember when you were in the oldest cabins, you know, you had gone to camp with these girls year after year after year. And you become sisters bound not of blood, but of uh, history, love, and loyalty. Yeah. It's so true. It's what we've been saying forever. It's Thank what we've been saying. In a beautiful book. Just saying I it's so much better. Yeah. Something that, um, you know, Sammy and I go off for hours just kind of being like, oh, this is true and this is true and we believe this. But something that your book does really well as well uh, is, you know, you include a lot of research and talking about, you know, in the, in the workplace and people who've gone to camp, you know, have these certain skills that, you know, top performers at Google and places like that. So it was just, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the- Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, um, a couple of things, you know, I'm a journalist. So I, I, when you say, how do you put together a book? I, it's, it's interview, observation, and investigation. And I talked a little bit about the early history of camps. The myth is, is that um, you know all camps were started by the Jewish immigrants? The truth is that the the YMCA camps, the Young Men's Christian Association, were the first camps in this country at the turn of the century. Um, second of all, Google, one of the top producing companies in the universe, uh, they did a, a multi-year study called Project Oxygen, and it, you know they found that the character traits beyond STEM which is science, technology, engineering, and math, are the character traits that make for a successful employer. And when I tell you these traits, they are the identical traits that you get from being a camp counselor or a long-term camper. And it's collaboration, team building, tenacity, empathy. And although you know corporations call these, these are the, quote, soft skills, quote, that companies are looking for. I can tell you um, when I, and there's other research done that being a camp counselor, you know, when, when I talk, I, I'm a college professor and my students often end up working at my camp after they're not <laughs> a professor anymore. And they say, oh, Professor Krasno, you know, maybe I should get an internship and not just be a camp counselor. I said, you know, if you get an internship, other people are going to be bossing you around. If you go to camp, you're going to be changing lives. And it's a hundred percent effective to put that on your resume. When I interviewed for my first job out of college and this, you know, very starchy man said, so what's your experience? I'd been a waitress and I'd been a camp counselor. And I told him that, and I was bragging about both. Waitress, you got to get food out on time. You got to be nice. You got to, if someone's bitchy to you, you can't pour their soup on them. And if you're a camp counselor, you are running the show. You're running, you're taking care of a whole cabin of kids that you're really in charge of. And, you know, so you have leadership skills. Um, you definitely uh, have that stick to So I don't know. I think that the research and in, in the research by the American Camp Association of, of adults like us um, show that people almost unanimously say that the camp experience added to their success by giving them essential life skills and character traits that that fuel that fuel you for a lifetime you know i would never know 
how to, and, and this is, you know, and I'm, you probably feel the same way. Like I can shoot a bow and arrow. I can do a flip on a trampoline. I can swim a lake. I can portage a canoe. I can shoot a rifle. We had riflery. I can swim six strokes, do eight dives. And I, you know, I'm not really afraid of the outdoors, but beyond that stuff, that versatility, I feel, and we're going back to this, I don't feel invincible, but I don't feel afraid. I'm not afraid. Uh, you know, I, in this climate, is there some anxiety about the uncertainty? Yes, but there's not fear because we feel we're camp girls, <laughs> you know, we can do it. Even in my, I'm a lawyer and my most recent job interview for the federal government, um, I work in the <laughs> trademark office. Uh, they asked me, they were like, you're one of 200 applicants that have made it to this interview stage. And like, what's a le- like an example of a of a time when you were a leader and that you took charge and, and, and got something done in your professional life. And up until that point, I'd been an associate at a law firm. Like, no, I wasn't really leading anyone. And so I talked about camp and then I got the job. Got the job. Yeah. yeah. Think, you know, and I, I think that it's a sisterhood, um, you know, and a brotherhood. Like I'm, I'm really good friends uh, with boys who went to camp. And I know for my own kids, uh, camp was transformative. And again, we're camp lovers. We all know people who hated camp and, and, and for the right reasons. They, they didn't like the outdoors. Um, they didn't really like the filth. I mean, we're, you know, at camp, you're just filthy and free and you don't care. Like, you look like I do right now. I always look at <laughs> this stuff. I wanted to wear my camp t-shirt. Yes. Um, but, you know, there's a sense of dressing down that releases you to be just to be real and i and i'm um ironically the mother of four boys and i have one husband two male cats i (laughs) like same sex uh education and i think that an all girls camp um one of my one woman i interviewed (laughs) she said she just told this lovely story about how when they were 13 and 14 they used to sit on the cabin steps and shave their legs together and sing camp songs. And she said, you'd never do that at, um, you know, if there were boys around. And another woman I interviewed, Gail from Racket Lake, she said, you know, at camp, everybody runs around hugging each other. If you did that in New York City, city you'd get arrested. Especially you know, in the time of Corona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there is so much physical love that goes on that's not about sexuality, it's about love, you know, that it's just, it's pure. Um, I, you know, I, I see these older girls walking from tennis to the dining hall and they're looped together like an octopus. You know, they're just, and they just, you know, sometimes run to me and, and give me the biggest group hug that I almost fall to the ground. <laughs> and then there's the little seven and eight year olds who come up to my waist who just, uh, you know, I can't even maybe it's because I don't have girls, you know, and, and boys are different, but that pure uh, love and gratitude that you get from campers when you're in a counselor position or a staff position, it's so restorative. Uh, it's life-changing. And we are very fortunate to have had this experience. Like, I know how lucky we are to have this. I know how lucky we are. I mean, I'm getting letters when people said say things like, I only got to go to Girl Scout camp for two weeks. But as you know from my book, all the studies show that whether you go from two week for two weeks or, or seven or eight weeks, 
you still get independence and resilience and adventureness. So, you know, it's really, I, I hope the tradition of summer camp is one that not only is sustained, but continues to proliferate. And I do think that it will. Um, I'm sure you saw Crip Camp. Yes, also, we did. But now there's camps for computer kids. There's camps for dance. There's camps for theater. Um, I sent my kids to the same kind of camp I went to, which was a traditional camp where you got a little bit of everything. Um, right now, we're, we added activities that we would never have had in my day, like candle making and hippie living, don't ask. Uh, uh, but, you know, when we went to camp, and this isn't for your generation, there was no Title IX. So I played half court basketball and, you know, with a wimpy little skirt on. So when we went to camp in the 60s, we became athletes. We were competitive. We learned that girls could be physically strong. You didn't learn that in your schools in third and fourth grade uh, in the 60s. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that maybe for, to wrap up this part, maybe we can go through each of the words that you chose for your chapters and talk a little bit about how they relate to camp. I would have love them all written you down. Are you going to read them to me? Good. Yes. Okay. So the first one is independence, which we've, we've talked a little bit about. I think we did. Yeah. But um, I, I can elaborate a little bit on it if you want, or, but you or, know, it, it, or we could go on to the next one. No, elaborate. Elaborate. So, you know, my sister and I went on an overnight train from Chicago to Woodruff, Wisconsin, when we were eight and nine years old, and we waved at our parents through the darkened window at dusk, and we, we spent the night on an overnight train away from our parents. Again, I eight and nine. There were no cell phones, and oh I can't remember, but we were together. And she told me this story while I was researching the book that I slept in the top bunk berth and she slept in the bottom. And we used to say to each other every night, we shared a room, good night and pleasant dreams. And I said, good night and pleasant dreams. And she said, Iris, will you hang your hand over the berth and I wanna to touch your fingers. And we fell asleep touching our fingers. And I just think once I got to camp, now it did help to have a sister but mm -hmm. you, you cannot call mommy to get you out of fights. You can't call mommy and say, oh, it's so cold out. I don't want to go swimming. You got a deal, right? And we become a big, strong girl and a big, strong woman on our own. And we learn to be alone without feeling lonely. Correct. Um, okay, the next one is community. Here we are. <laughs> you know, here we are. You know, here we are. The community of camp is so different than the communities that we form in, in, in college. You know, you, if you have roommates, you're together a lot, but the community of camp is 24 seven. It's sleeping nose to nose in cold cabins, uh, maybe with one smelly bathroom. And, mm -hmm. uh, and you go through the same experiences. You go from girls in braces and pigtails, and I'm gonna read this portion, you know, to you compare, you know, bra sizes when you're nine or, or 12, and now we compare maps of wrinkles. You know, many of my community of camp friends have lost parents or siblings. They've had cancer. They have rebuilt knees and rebuilt hips. And they've been with me since I was a skinny bride, uh, pregnant, nine, gained 80 pounds with my twins, lost both parents, knew my parents. How many of my friends now actually knew my parents? And really, you know, they, they our community, 
is our history holders. When you talk on your campfire nights virtually, which you may be doing all summer, unfortunately, um, that's the community. And it, it's just like one bonded sisterhood. Um, and because we're all there, we're all there to have fun. We're all there to make friends. And, and the meaning of love takes on such an enhanced meaning. You know, now when you're talking to a friend on the phone, you might say, love ya. And it doesn't mean much, right? But when you say, I love you to a camp friend who's going through something, that's all you have to say, right? I love you. I know you. I know some of my camp sisters and they know stuff about me, I almost swore. They know stuff about me that nobody knows. We share our deepest secrets by flashlight at night. You know, we're scared together during thunderstorms and we're in canoes huddled under trees. Um, you know, I was the blue team captain um, and that was one of the greatest, uh, to this day, being elected blue team captain was one of the greatest highs of my life. That happened in 1970. And my community of blues, like as we competed against the white team, and once the blue, always the blue. It's like not some camps you have color wars and you change teams every year with Agawak once. And, and that community, you know, of just fighting for victory, and sometimes it wasn't always pretty, uh, but healing afterward with the white team and, and you know, crossing over, which I think our government could learn a lot from us camp girls in terms of civility and um, camaraderie and, you know, just unity. So that's my community take. And beyond that, like this, you know, this podcast, just anyone who went to camp, we, we find that we, we can talk to them about it. I bet you do get a lot of, um, you are connected to a big camp community and to do something called Happy Campers, everybody gets it. Do you know, we all, it brings a smile to all our face. Do you guys have the Happy Camper t-shirts? I have one. Do you have a Happy Camper t-shirt? I'm, wear, I'm wearing one right now. Okay, <laughs> Somebody sent me one. And actually our newest big uh, recreation hall where we do uh, plays and stuff is called Happy Camper Hall. That's so cute. Yes. To think it almost wasn't the name of this podcast. Um, very good idea. <laughs> um, okay, the third one is ambition. I think we talked about it. We're doers, you know. We go into a, an interview and someone says, "So, what kind of experience do you have?" You say, "I was a waitress and a camp counselor." What else do you want to know, buddy? Um, <laughs> it's also self-starting. I think is a lot of yeah. a lot of camp. Yeah. They, yes, and ambition is a good thing. I mean, I you at camp you want to make your next badge in canoeing or you want to win a tennis tournament and you know you want to make your yellow cap which took me two years you know winning the horse show i gotta tell you i have my trophy here from the horse show again from 1970 and it sits right near my desk because it reminds me every day of how hard i worked to get over a jump how hard you know that hard and and you also learn at camp that if you fail and keep going that there is a sweet smell of success on the other end that you know it, that persistence and tenacity is part of ambition i think ambition is a good thing you know when people say oh you're a workaholic um well they don't say that to me because i sure go to, i go to camp all summer but you know, people say to me oh i know somebody called me an author and she said god how did you get in people magazine i'm thinking you know what i've been writing 
for 43 years. You know, I, I, hard work has gotten <laughs> me. Every, I mean, it's not like I called people and said, oh, you should call this one of your best new books. You know, and think about your own lives. How hard did you work to get this podcast up and going? How much planning did you do? How did you get your, what, 15,000 listeners or probably more? Um, you, you worked. And, and why did you learn that? You learned that from a camp community, right? Yeah. And I also, to like piggyback on that, I also think that the beauty of camp is that it allows kids to find the, like what they're passionate about to be ambitious about. Like it, you can pursue your, like, you know, if you don't like canoeing, that's okay. You can horseback ride, you can, you know, do gymnastics or whatever and like figure out what you like to do and then find your ambition there. Well, I, and I, I want to piggyback on that because I you bring up a real, we could talk for a day. I, I want to be with We you. might. Okay. Versatility. We've talked about that. Yeah. Everything. I can shoot an arrow, do a flip on a trampoline, do the splits and uh, swim the lake. Several books. I, hello. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and also, you know, my love of writing turned into being an author. So that's very versatile, you know, and, and versatility also means that you're you're um inclusive you know i i can be friends with all sorts of people and i know you can too from camp correct um okay nature oh, nothing like being under a ceiling of stars under towering trees walking on a dirt path towards a glistening lake i mean it opens up every pore every sense every part of you comes alive. And that's the, that is the environment in which the three of us got to grow up during the summers. Um, I also, as a writer, um, you know, I be, I, my heart, my whole heart opened up uh, as a writer uh, outdoors, you know, in a classroom, you're in a fluorescent lit classroom with a teacher's steely gaze and she marks your paper in red. And when you write at camp or, or horseback ride in this kind of environment or swim in a clean lake, um, it just opens up everything. I, I must say that nature also uh, really kindled a lot of romances. Um, we had uh, a lot of socials with boys camps and there was a lot of um, uh, uh, romantic behavior uh, <laughs> in those woods. And I remember if you got caught uh, outside of the lodge where the socials went, you know, like with a boy somewhere, you know, d kissing by a tree, then you had to sit out the next day of activities. And I remember this one, uh, I tell this in the book, this one girl, you know, she, she went missing and this counselor said, so where is so-and-so? And we said, oh, she went to the bathroom. Meanwhile, um, she never got caught, but we, uh, we mm -hmm. covered for each other. So, yeah. And a lot of people that I interviewed uh, married their married people they met at camp, partnered with people they met at camp. Are we talked to a few of those. I'm sure you did. Um, okay, responsibility. Hey, look at us. I mean, we can deal. You know? And taking care of kids for sure. Taking care of kids. That's exactly why we got our jobs. You yeah. know, I was 18 years old when I was the camp counselor of 16, 15, and 16 year olds. <laughs> and, I, and they listened to me and they did listen to me. And, you know, you become responsible. I think that a lot of the responsibility I learned at camp really helped me be um, a responsible parent who uh, occasionally is a helicopter parent. I admit it. <laughs> told you. I admit it. I went to camp with my kids. Okay. 
<laughs> Guilty. <laughs> Guilty as charged. All right, what else? Uh, tradition is the last one. So tradition is the big one. Tradition is once the blue, always the blue. Once the white, you know, that, that what do you love most about camps? The, or, the routine that we get to, um, we know what meal, you know, uh, for us on Saturdays, it was steak and fries. On Wednesdays, it mm. was grilled cheese. Um, Camper counselor day came on the same day. It, it's the predictability of a routine. What's and Camper it, Counselor Day? Oh, Camper Counselor Day was great. Camper Counselor Day was when the oldest cabin was assigned to become like, um, like I was, I had to play the camp director one year and he got to play me. And so the camper, the campers become the head staff and they, <laughs> run, they run the camp for the whole day and the head so staff, fun. the head staff, you know, our goofy little kid, but, but things happen in a pattern we know what to expect there's a predictability there's tradition the songs don't you guys sing your songs mm. like, like hello i mean i sing my songs constantly and my kids know my songs i sing them <laughs> in the shower i sing them as lullabies you know so that's what tradition is tradition is what makes us feel whole tradition is what makes us feel like um you know that we're rooted in a life that is so fleeting right now with Instagram and Facebook and little snippets and texting. Tradition is something that lasts, like our friendships, right? Exactly. Yes, there's tradition in that too. Um, okay, that was wonderful. Um, would you like to read an excerpt? So I'm going to read something from Community. Okay. And, um, I have my flashlight because here's my camp flashlight because <laughs> uh, I can't see so well. <clears throat> I am seated at the Baltimore Amtrak train station. Uh, okay, I'm gonna just do it. I'm seated at the Baltimore Amtrak train station bound for New York City. And the woman next to me, about my age, points to her large flowered canvas bag and asks, will you watch this for me? I'm going to the bathroom. I'll be quick. Normally, I would not watch a stranger's belongings, particularly in this climate, when we hear booming voices on speakers at airports and train stations about the dangers of unintended baggage. Yet this woman was so smiley and seemingly so more normal, I said, sure. She was back in less than two minutes and laughing, I observed, you must have gone to summer camp. Camp girls learn how to pee first really fast in the woods. Yes, loved, loved camp, she responded loudly, her, her eyes lighting up. I may never see this woman again, who was a camper in the Berkshires for 10 summers as a child. Yet, as we reminisced about putting frogs in our counselor's beds and color wars and using leaves as toilet paper on canoe trips, I felt more connected to her than I do with some friends I have known for years. As she put it, my camp friends are still my best friends. We said this almost in unison as we boarded and went our separate ways. I'm strong for Camp Agawak, the place where the breezes sway. No matter the weather, we will all stick together. This stanza from one of Camp Agawak's signature songs has proven to be so true. Camp girls who grow up together during sleepaway summers, 
stick together throughout all the seasons of our lives, pushing our bodies in the water and on fields and on courts through fierce matches of tennis and volleyball, we repeatedly ascend to new athletic heights. Yet the most important victory, season after season, is how camp enlarges our capacity for loyalty and love, continuing long after our camper years end. Camp also enlarges our capacity to handle strife. When a cabin fight erupts, we learn how to talk it out and move on, not simmer. We learn how to forgive. We learn the value of a sincere apology. I continue to be a student of these lessons that are amplified in a camp setting. More than a half a century has passed since I was new to Camp Agwalk, and I am still walking those woods and swimming Blue Lake with my wild and devoted Camp Girl tribe who visit me often at, when I'm working there. And I am witness to the next generation of Camp Girls forming their own tribal unity, persevering when their friendships are tested to some of ours when we did the same thing. As I watch young campers replicating our historic ritual at the Sunday campfire, standing and swaying and singing, friends, 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 we will always be the truest, the finest, the things that blah, blah, blah. My entire life hurls through me. I am eight and I am 64. Through a lens illuminated by waves of gratitude and nostalgia, I see what these young girls have yet to realize, that new friends will turn into old friends who will become the thread that stitches all the pieces of their lives together like a perfect quilt. In this rendition at Agwalk, awash with memories yet fully awake in the now, I am constantly, soothingly reminded that the line between past and present is a flimsy filament that can be broken at any moment to fuse into one, broken, one unbroken life. This life for me that feels whole is substantial and new and is something I have yearned for throughout the scattered passages I've already lived. Oh, that was beautiful. I love that. All the, all, so my sweatshirt says all the feels, which is how I feel, all the feels. <laughs> In that passage, I think three of those lines are my favorite, and that is the scattered passages of our lives. You know, in school, we make sequential series of friends, and, and we leave, and then we go to college, and we make sequential. In camp, there is one, one unbroken line, and you know, one of my friends, Liz Weinstein, and I talk to her almost every day, like right now, she'll call me and it'll be a very quick call. And she'll just say, I just needed to hear your voice. And, and, some, and when I see her picture pops up on my cell phone when I see it, and as soon as I see her picture, I start laughing. You know, I start thinking about something really goofy that we did. All right, so here's one more little passage. I am looking at film footage of camp movies from 1965. I am thick and tall in a navy blue tank suit and pigtails. <clears throat> my mother is clutching my waist and the lake is in the background during parents weekend. I am hearing her voice today exactly as it sounded 
on that Saturday afternoon of 1968. She is telling me how proud she is of me, that I knew how to slalom water ski, and that I scored a home run for the blue team in an earlier kickball game. As I keep watching the footage, I am remembering how much I loved my late parents and how their love for me becomes newly, fully alive in these priceless family films. The sequence of this film ends with a shot of the backs of my mom, me, and my sister, Fran, our arms around each other. We are walking slowly to my parents' silver Toronado, signifying the end of Parents' Weekend. I turn around and smile broadly at the camera, waving and flashing a mouthful of braces. When our parents pulled away, my sister and I would stand there for a while, feeling sad and drained, that would last for about five minutes at most before we rush back to our cabins to other girls in pigtails and braces and swimsuits still wet from showing off for their own moms and dads. These are the girls with whom we would reunite every June and grow together. As our braces came off, our pigtails were cut into the flip of Gidget played by Sally Fields <laughs> and then grew into the longer locks of then top model Cheryl Teagues, who, believe it or not, is now 72 years old. These girls, these women, we huddled together through stormy weather on week-long canoe trips and are huddled together on this cold night in cabin 12 during our reunion. We are 50 and 60 and almost 70, and we are in a cabin that most of us slept together in as girls. The next morning, we will swim in the same lake where we earned our swim caps of different colors, the same seaweed tickling our legs. We will tease the frogs leaping around the shorelines, descendants of the frogs we used to catch together as kids. Mm. I like got a little emotional there in the middle I, of that I, one. <laughs> I got to tell you, when I read that and I think about, um, oh, it's 208. What time is it? Oh, no, no 2.58. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Um, when I think about how fortunate I am, my mother wrote letters to me, and I kept all the letters, and um, or they kept all the letters, and when she died, my sister gave me those letters, and my dad took these priceless films. I feel so fortunate to have that history. You know, I know who I was. I know who I grew into. I knew me in braces. I knew all this stuff. And in a way, you know, I spoke to a woman uh, who wrote me a long letter, you know, I went to camp and, and she said that, but when I think of camp right now, it's just like a fantasy in my mind. I think for the three of us, this ain't no fantasy, right? It's so real uh, and so present uh, and, and so connecting. And in, in the chaos of Corona, uh, so uh, it's our survival, I think, you know, just this community. Agreed. It is. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful way to put it. Okay. I love that you found me. Camp girls. Camp girls. Camp girls forever. Forever. Well, now that we know that you live in the, you know, DC area, I can definitely see, uh, I think the three of us need to spend some more oh, time together. 100%. So we'll meet in person sometime yeah. soon. Well, I would really, really, really love that. Camp Girls is available every on every online, 
you know, portal in the universe. And I'm proud to say that in the week that it um, came out, it was number one. It was the hot new release in camping and aging. So Wonderful. So every all of our listeners should go check it out. It's truly, truly a delightful book. Like I, I got emotional when I was just reading the beginning of it. So buy um, it, send it to your camp friends. It's a great yeah. present. Buy it for everyone you know. And um, check out Iris's other work. You can six other books that you six can six other books. Um, iriskrasner.com. There you go. The, the subhead of Camp Girls is Fireside Lessons on Friendship, Courage, and Loyalty. And those, those are the three biggies. And you certainly exhibit that. And thank you so much for finding me. My God. Thank now, you for coming on. Oh, I never thank you, Iris. Okay. And have a good, uh, you know, survival of Corona because we're Camp Girls, right? That's Stay strong. Right. Have a we good have class. A thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.